Good morning. All right, so uh, a couple things before we get started today. So one, uh, you see, uh, saw us talk about this last week, uh, your Connect cards. Dang it. Sure, can you hand me that? I need to be more prepared today. I was distracted. We're going to talk about this today. Connect cards. So uh, some of you guys have got these before. Some of you guys haven't got these before. They're always available, uh, but a lot of times we don't get anybody to ever fill those out. Um, And so one of the things that we're doing through this Christmas season is uh, asking everybody to fill out a connecting card. And so to help with that process, we are donating $5.00. Uh, to Destiny Rescue and or Hands of Hope, uh, one of those two local uh, ministries that are going on. And again, so this goes for, it's like one per person. So it doesn't mean like, my suggestion would be don't just fill it out for, because we want to give a lot of money away. So it's one per person, fill it out. That way we can uh, be able to donate money to help with Destiny Rescue and help with Hands of Hope. And to go with that, generously, somebody came up to me last week and said, whatever money's raised for Destiny Rescue and whatever money's raised for Hands of Hope, the person is going to match that money. So it'll be a great opportunity for us uh, in these uh, Christmas season to be able to help uh, those ministries. And again, all you have to do is fill out a connecting card. So if you are here, you have a connecting card. If you are online, it's up in the left-hand corner right-hand corner of your screen uh, that you can see it. If you click on it, you can fill out uh, your connecting card there. So it's for online people and for people that are here. If you get them filled out, we're going to donate $5 to Destiny Rescue. And again, uh, we have somebody that's going to match uh, those funds. So great opportunity for us. All right, so we are in the Travel Light series. So uh, over Christmas, we always try to decide what do we need to talk about to help us get through uh, the Christmas season Different people have different views of the whole Christmas season and the things that go with that. But the idea of Travel Light is to figure out God has a mission for each one of us, right? And Paul talks about it in, uh, throughout all of his writings when he says that your Christian life is like running a race, right? So there's a prize at the end and that everything that you do in life is to help you get the prize, right? So anybody that's in a competition. So some of you have a competitive mindset. Some of you don't have a competitive mindset. But he's saying you need to run this race to win, right? That's the whole idea. So if you don't have a competitive mindset in the rest of life, change it in this because Paul would say you're in this race, you get a short short amount of time to do it, and you need to win the race. So anybody that's competing to win prepares, Right? So if you are in a race and you want to win the race, then you're preparing to get it done. So that goes with a lot of different things. So it's the preparation process leading up to it. It's the race itself. It's how all of it's done. But there's some very intentional things that you do to be able to win the race. So we're applying that to ourselves. So what does it mean if we're running a race? How do we get in the best position to win? Well, travel light is to say one of the things you need to do is get rid of some of your baggage or get rid of some of the things in your life that are keeping you from being able to run the race, run it effectively, and not only run it effectively, but win, right? So last week it was get rid of your stuff, right? And I hope that there was lots of conversations on, hey, what are the things that we have? What do we need to clean out? Maybe a few of you looked into your closet like I did and be like, 
there's so much junk, you know, or there's just so much stuff, or, you know, some of these things I haven't put on in years, you know, and I'm not even sure they would fit anymore, you know, type of a thing. So maybe we should get rid of some of those things. Maybe you looked at the clutter of life in general, but hopefully you said, I need to evaluate my stuff, I need to evaluate what I have, and I need to use it in ways that further the kingdom, and if they don't and can't further the kingdom, we should probably get rid of them, right, uh, in the midst of that. Today is about distractions. So today we're going to talk about distractions. Now, again, distractions is an easy topic, and, you know, we talked about should we put some natural distractions in before the service, you know, and kind of be like, we'll see how many people get distracted, but I'm thinking, we don't have to do that. You get distracted anyway, you know, so we don't have to put in any, like, outside forces to make it so that, like, as soon as something happens, you know what I mean? This is the funniest part that's about preaching. So if somebody, like, gets up or walks around, you know, you don't want to look, you know, you're like, I know I shouldn't look, I know I shouldn't look, and then your eyes are like, you're looking, right? Like, you got to see what's going on, like, something's happening around you, or it's the baby that's crying right next to you, you know, you're like, I know I need to focus, I know I need to focus, I know I need to focus, and then it's like, you know, you, you can't really focus. Like, it doesn't take much anymore to distract people, right? It doesn't take much for people to get off track when it comes to saying, because, in fact, people would tell you this, you need to start shortening your messages, right? Because people's attention span continues to get shorter, Right? So if you take people and they're in here and they're listening to you, you need to realize, hey, you, know, you, you need to shorten up your messages because people's attention span's not getting there. Now, I would have people tell me this, oh no, you don't need to shorten them up at all. But then I ask them on Monday, do you remember what the message was about? And they're like, oh man, uh, <laughs> I think I remember one point, maybe, well, maybe, I, and then I'll be like, what was the point? And they're like, uh... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they'll go through the, because again, you know, back to this idea, and that, this is why I tell people all the time, when you're in a, in a message like this, and if you really want to learn, you should probably write something down or probably do something to keep yourself focused, because you will naturally get off track, or you naturally won't be able to remember when you leave. So if the idea is you want to garner anything out of the Sunday morning, you probably should be engaged on more of a level than just like this, because it usually doesn't work that well. So anyway, distractions, right? The things that, that we're going to talk about. Now, why are we going to talk about distractions when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ? Why is that important? Well, here's the thought. So for every person in this room that has given their life to Jesus Christ, right, we would know that for every person in this room who loves Jesus, you have an enemy, right? That one's like, stay focused, we're only five minutes in, okay? We know this, right? You have an enemy, right? The enemy says he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, can he steal your salvation? No. Right? We've already talked about that. That's in, you don't believe it, we'll have another message on it at another point that helps you understand how all of that works. So the next best thing, if he looks at you and says, what's the next best thing that I can do to destroy that person? Okay, Here's what you have to think about. The only way that we can affect anything against Satan is to further the kingdom of God. Right? Because he can't take your salvation. 
right? So you're already saved. So the only thing that's going to push Satan over the edge is if you take your salvation and give it to more people, right? You take it, you spread it, it grows. The effectiveness of a Christian is not based upon his single salvation, but of the salvation of other people, right? Like the, the salvation of other people, that your effectiveness is when you stand in front of Jesus, it's not just going to be about your salvation. It's going to be about what did you do with a what I gave you so that you can affect the salvation of other people, right? So what do you think the next primary target of Satan is if you and your purpose on this earth is to reach other people, what do you think he's going to do and try to destroy? Yeah, your effectiveness to other people. You on this earth keeping you from doing what you're supposed to be doing because you know what? If you just go through life and you never further the kingdom... Does Satan really care? Yeah, like why would he waste his time on you? Why waste time on people who aren't furthering the kingdom, right? So he knows the best way to get at people, and I think it's proven in what we're going to talk about here in a little bit, is just get them distracted, right? Keep them, on, keep them focused on something that does not matter in the end, Right? Like, if I get him focused on something that doesn't matter in the end, we would look at it and be like, I kind of made it through life unscathed, right? Like, I didn't get, you know, something terrible, something, no huge tragedy happened in my life. Nothing really bad happened to me. Like, I made it through. Like, Satan didn't get me. He didn't destroy me. Well, listen, Satan wasn't messing with you to begin with. Because he's like, why would I ever mess with somebody that's having no effect on the kingdom of God? But... And, and the way, the number one way, what we're going to talk about today is distracting you. Because, and even if you're on that path today, you, you've noticed this. So if you went out and you're trying to further the kingdom of God, believe me, distractions have been coming like they've never come before. They just do. Like anytime you get in the game, he knows the best time to get you out of the game is before you see the fruit of being in the game. Right? That's why when, when you're working with kids and you're coaching them, you got to get them through two-a-days before they get their first win, because nobody likes two-a-days, right? Any guys, kids that played football, you like two-a-days? Thank you. So there's two of them that didn't like it. I, the rest of you just must love running and puking, the stuff that goes with football. Like, the idea is get them through. Keep the vision in front of them, right? This is what you're working for. This is what you're working for. This is what you're working for. And then when you win, right? Any of you guys been watching Indiana football? Huh? Hey, listen. <laughs> the only Purdue fan in here. <laughs> Tom Allen, right? So forget whether or not you like Indiana football. If you watched the end of the game last night after they won, you know, against Wisconsin, they hadn't beat them in a really long time. If you watched the end of the game, all of these guys are coming up and saying how much they love Tom Allen because Tom Allen got them through the 0-13 seasons and said there's something coming. Keep working. There's something coming. He kept them focused through adversity until they could finally taste victory, right? That's the whole idea. Focus through adversity until you see the victory. So Satan's like, if I can knock them off track right away, if I can get them distracted, if I can keep them from being focused on what matters most, and they never see the victory of winning, then I've already won, you know, if you're distracted on the things that don't really matter. So we're going to look at a couple of scripture, then we're going to look at 
Um, what are some things that we can do about it? So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke. So we're going to be in Luke 10, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 38 through 42. So Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, this is a story I think is familiar. Like, if you've been in Scripture before, this is one that's familiar for a lot of people because it's a story of Mary and Martha, you know. And for anybody that knew the story of Mary and Martha, it's a story that maybe you've used to describe some certain people in your lives. Like, if you want to motivate some people, you know, don't be a, you know, Mary, if you want to be, if you're like you're missing and you're missing life, don't be like Martha. You know what I'm saying? It's the whole, you use the story to get across the point, because when Jesus traveled, remember, Jesus didn't have a home, right? So Jesus didn't go back home after work in a day. Jesus would end up at people's houses. So one of the things that they would do is when Jesus showed up, he was an honored guest. So they would create an atmosphere that when he would come with his disciples, that would be a relational atmosphere so they could honor Jesus, so they could sit together, they could eat, kind of like you just got done doing with Thanksgiving, you know, maybe some of you, yeah, everybody's coming in, or maybe this year is a few less people were coming in, but you were still doing something, preparing for everybody to come. Well, it's the same concept. They knew that Jesus was coming, and so they're preparing for this. So this is what it says in uh, Luke 10, starting in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. So again, talking about, here's this dilemma. There's, there's a meal. There's guests coming. Somebody has to prepare, right? Like, I mean, somebody has to be in the kitchen. Somebody has to be getting ready. Somebody has to be, you know, getting uh, things ready for the feast that's happening. But in here, it says that she was distracted, right? So not that it was wrong to be preparing the food, but she was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care about, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me now. <laughs> I'm going to interpret this one. I would say that this would be, tell her to be more like me. Anybody like that? Like you have these people that are like, I just want to kind of hang out. And the people are like, let's get it done. Right? Let's stay focused. Let's stay on task. Let's, and you're looking around at everybody else like, what's wrong with you? You're a loser because I'm productive and you're hanging out. You know? And I'm like, there's no, there's no place in the world for just hanging out. Like, when there's work to be done, do you have a task list? Can you go down through the task list? Can you be efficient when you're getting it done? Can't you make her more like me? Because people like me are what get it done in the world. Amen to any of those other productive people in the world? Come on. You're t huh? That's what I'm saying. You're looking around at these relational people, and you're like, what are they doing? There wouldn't be nothing get done in the world without the, the productive people that have a task list and block schedules and all the things that go with it, right? So Mary's looking at the non-productive people in the world, or, or Martha's looking at the non-productive people in the world, and she's saying, Jesus, if you really want to get anything done in the world, you better make more people like me, because it's people like me that get things done. Now, we know that, right? We know that there are certain people that when you want something done, you know who to go to, right? And you know who not to go to. 
you don't have to look around. They might be sitting beside you, right? But you know the person to not, like, if it's organization and getting things ready. So the question is, what's the balance, or how does it fit? Because there's nothing wrong with doing the meal, right? There's nothing wrong with doing a party. There's nothing wrong with having everybody in. But what is the balance between people who have a personality trait that's productive and scheduled and on task and people that have the relational trait that have never seen a schedule before, right? Like, what's the balance between those people? So this is what Jesus ends up saying uh, to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you were worried and upset about many things. So part of it is you can just read into it. Like, if you're worried about something, then it was way beyond the preparation, You know what I mean? So you'd miss the point. So the point was Jesus coming to your house, but you're worried about things outside of Jesus coming to your house. So you've missed the point now when you start to worry. So he's saying that about Martha's personality. Not wrong to be productive, but when you start worrying and being upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, it would say, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So... To me, this scripture talks very clearly to this idea. Martha was doing something that was good. At the end of the day, she was productive. At the end of the day, the meal was set. At the end of the day, the pills were all in the places that they were supposed to be. Everything was picked up. Everything was nice. The house was swept. There wasn't any dust. It was perfect in Martha's mind, right? She had done what was good, but she missed what was great. In the process of doing what was good, she missed the point of it all, which was great, which was Jesus, right? So nothing wrong, I think Jesus would say, with being the productive person. Nothing wrong with being the person that gets it done, but when you miss the point of getting it done, right, when you miss the point of all of that, just because you're productive in a day doesn't mean that you're doing what is great at the end of it all, because in that, she missed Jesus. And she was going to miss all the time with Jesus. You know how the day would go, right? Because she would still sit there and then out of this worry that nothing's ever going to get done, like the dishes aren't ever going to get done because you're always the one who gets stuck with them at the end of every get together. And then you're cleaning up the whole house because the family never pitches in at the end of that, like all of those things that are going through your mind. So then when the meal's over and Jesus is sitting there and wants to talk to people, what are you going to be doing? What are you want to, what are you going to want to be doing? Like somebody's got to clean the house. Somebody's got to pick up the dishes. Somebody's got to do it. And you're going to miss time with Jesus. And what they're saying is, it's not that that's wrong. Somebody has to pick up the house. But don't do it and miss Jesus in the process. Nothing wrong with personality traits. In fact, you know, I'm just going to add on to the end of this scripture. I'm thinking that Jesus said then after all this was over, hey, you know, maybe, maybe you could be a little bit more productive. You know, maybe you could just help out a little bit because there is this whole other part of it. Come on, I'm speaking like what I want Jesus to say. You know, that the people that are highly relational is that like you got to pitch in sometimes and make it happen too. But there's a balance. That's what he's saying, right? We can do what's good in life, but that's not what he's saying when it says run the race. It's not about doing what's good. It's not about just making it through. It's about winning. It's about doing what's great. And so for us, I bet when you walk out of here today, you're not going to look at your life and be like, oh my gosh, I have terrible things. Like I'm doing so many bad things in my life. I need to change my trajectory completely. I bet you're going to walk out here and say, I'm doing some good things, but I'm missing what is great. 
Like I need to get focused. I need to get back on track. I need to get to the place uh, that, that God can use me in some amazing way. So we're going to talk about three different things that I think will help you uh, choose better things. In fact, you know, if you are taking notes, we have a point up there that would say, so, so often the most difficult choices aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. So not between good and bad, but good and best. And that would be what we need to be focused on. All right, so three different things that help us choose what is better. The first one is this. I think you need to, so if you're taking notes, diminish distractions. We got to figure this part out. You know, we need to figure out how do we di diminish distractions. In fact, um, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 35, this is what Paul was saying when he was trying to get people focused, okay? Because sometimes when you look at focus in the lives of people, they, they, they're like, oh, man, I, don't, I, I feel like it's so restricting, or I feel like it's going against the grain, or I feel like it's not what I normally want to do. And I would say that that's probably true, to be focused and on task and doing what's great instead of what good doesn't happen naturally. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, I'm saying this for your good, not to restrict you, but that you may live, uh, that you may live a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Right? So I'm not trying to by diminishing distractions, I'm not trying to restrict you. I'm not trying to tell you that this is the way you have to do life. I'm just trying to get you focused on Jesus, trying to get you focused on your undivided attention on why you're still on this earth. So, two most common distractions, right? If you could name them, think about them. What do you think the two most common distractions are in the lives of people? So, I heard somebody earlier, Yvonne, <laughs> Yvonne was going like this when I was talking about distractions. So, the phone, right? Is the phone a part of the distractions of our life. Now, the development of the iPhone, a computer in your hand or Samsung or whatever you guys have out there, is a good thing, right? Like it's kind of changed the game in the way that people operate or the things that people do. But could it be at the same time something that's completely distracting you, right? Could it be something that's leading you down a path that you really shouldn't be on. In fact, when I was looking at this, you know, I was looking up some, some facts. Uh, so the average person, this is what it says, the average person can't go 10 minutes without checking their phone. Average person can't go 10 minutes without checking their phone. Well, I mean, think about it. If you were sitting around watching something on TV, let's say your family's sitting around watching something on TV, and a commercial comes up, what usually happens do, do people get their phone out? Okay, only Eric and Daryl. They're the only two people <laughs> in the whole place that actually get their phone out. Listen, I think it happens all the time. You're watching something on TV, and next thing you know, there's like, you're distracted, and, and so not only are you distracted watching what's on TV, you have to add to your distraction by picking up your phone. Or I don't know how many of you guys, I heard this as I was asking these questions before the service. How was Thanksgiving? Everybody came, everybody sat around. How many people sat there on their phone when they should have been engaged with other people? Right? Like everybody's sitting around and everybody's in the same room and you got your whole family together. They never really talked, but they looked at their phone the entire time. Right? Or they, not the entire time, but you know what I mean. They, they get on their phone. Ten minutes. Can't go ten minutes without 
being distracted. The average person, okay, spends two hours a day on social media. So that's the average person, two hours a day on social media. The average young person, okay, so young people, I know maybe the first part was boring, but see if this is true, okay? So all of you guys that have a TikTok, any young people have TikToks? Do you guys have it? Daryl's like, <laughs> Daryl's like, I got a TikTok. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Define young, Daryl is one of those people. <laughs> but you'd have a TikTok, right? The average young person spends over two hours a day on TikTok. Now, again, I don't have a TikTok. I've never seen a TikTok. But I'm guessing that it's not the most educational process that you're going through. Now, maybe there is some that you could convince me that like, yeah, it's just helping me do life way better, you know, by scrolling through there. But my guess would be that TikTok isn't helping you be more focused on life. It's keeping you more distracted, right, two hours a day. Now, think about this. They also said for young people. So if you're young, here's the, here's the chance that you get in life, right? They said right now, if you stay on pace on what you're spending on social media right now, by the time that you get to the end of your life, you will have spent seven years, seven years doing this. Isn't that how it works? Gee, many Christmas, what are all those things on there? Right? Like seven years of just scrolling through your phone. Seven years of having this in front of your face. Nah, come on. I don't think anybody out there would say, that is a great way to spend seven years of my life. Would you? I mean, I know you guys love TikTok, but would you really want to spend seven years of it like this? No, you don't want to do that. But you know what happens is you don't see it that way. And here's why. I was talking to Corinne and Luke before the service, and I think this is a completely interesting thing. So talking about this idea, how do we get so distracted, right? So they were talking about this idea of how your brain reprograms itself in a way that makes you go towards essentially comfort, right? Those, those types of things that will be like, it can create a new pathway in your life. So when you guys are looking at your phones or whoever is or whatever your thing is, there's a pathway created in the brain that makes it so that you have this need to always go back to your phone, right? And the more times that you go back to your phone, the deeper the pathway gets. So Corinne can explain the medical part. I'm giving you my version of it. So if you want to talk to somebody, Corinne is in the back. She's one playing the piano. I'm giving my version of the medical way I think it's happening. But essentially, it's like, you know, Luke said it's like sledding down a hill. The first time you go, it's a little bit of a path. The second time you go, the path gets deeper. The second time of the path, and pretty soon you got a rut inside of the snow. That's what scrolling is like on your phone. And then when you want to get out of that rut to go to another place, you have to intentionally pick up the sled and get out of it because naturally the pathway has already been made. Okay, does that track and is that my good medical terminology? How'd I do, Luke? Good. Luke and Corinne, give me the thumbs up. But here's the thing that I think is really interesting. Your brain naturally tries to push you over to these things that are comfortable. And so what's happening is distractions have become a comfort in the lives of people. That's why when you're watching TV, you can know that's a distraction, right? 
Most of the times we're watching TV, it's just a distraction. You got to the end of the day, you need distracted from the things you do life. That's why that distraction's not good enough anymore. That's why when there's not content on the TV, you have to pick up your phone because that's not enough comfort because that one break of the thing that wasn't comfortable for you, which is now commercials, you've now picked up something that can distract you more because what your brain is programmed to do is to move you into what is most comfortable and distractions are what makes you comfortable. So all of this makes it so that anytime you get in those situations, why is it every 10 minutes? because you're uncomfortable with the situation you're in. So when you're sitting in a room, young people, and nobody's talking, it's uncomfortable, right? I mean, I know you don't think it is. You're not like, wow, awkward silence. You're just like, oh, I guess there's nothing else to do. You know, so you pick up your phone, right? Because it's what's comfortable to you because sitting in a room where nobody's talking doesn't make any sense, right? Or anymore, it was funny, I took Stephen hunting you know, and uh, so that's my son-in-law. He's from the city, and so going out, and, and he also, I don't, wouldn't say he has ADD, but he gets distracted easily. Is that fair to say, Sherry? So he gets pretty distracted. So I'm taking him out in a blind for the first time, thinking, I don't know how this is going to go, you know, because him sitting still, first of all, just might be a challenge, you know, in the beginning. So we get out there, you know, and I, and I have my phone, right, because out in the stand, I take it, and Brady and I communicate whenever I hunt, and he's like, oh, I wish I would have brought my phone now. I thought we weren't allowed, you know, when you're out in the stand, because I didn't think you were allowed to bring your phone with you. But if he would have brought his with him any time, because it's not enjoying the beauty anymore of sitting in the stand in the silence that it is out there, it's like, hey, nothing's moving. <laughs> and you guys are hunters. Do you guys take your phone with you? Do you do that every once in a while? Nothing's coming? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not the beauty of the woods anymore. It's like, well, that was kind of okay. There ain't no deer coming. <laughs> you know, what's on Facebook or what's on Instagram or what am I going to do? Because again, your brain has been wired now in a way that would say you can't even be in the moment anymore because being in the moment is uncomfortable. Now tell me that's not a problem. Because, take it this way now, living a Christian life is unnatural and uncomfortable, right? Living a Christian life is unnatural and uncomfortable. So now take the sledding thing. You're sledding down the hill, you're sledding down the hill, you're sledding down and you're making a path of comfort in life and Jesus is saying, no, this path over here. I want you to run this race. The only way you're going to get on that path is to pick your sled up and go to another run and go to another place because naturally now your brain is wired to only do what is comfortable. And, and if we're saying, be a follower of Jesus Christ, get in a new path, run a race, win a prize, the only way you're going to get that done is pick your sled up and go over there. Because naturally, if you don't change anything in your life, Right? So naturally, if you don't change the way that you use your phone or the way that you use social media or any of those things, you're going to stay in this path, and you're going to hope that you're going to not be distracted, but you're going to continue to be distracted. So some intentional things. And people that try to get a hold of me would say, this is one of your greatest faults. I never answer my phone. I never text people back. And I never answer my emails. Right? So people would be like, he's such an uncaring person. Like I text him yesterday and he just texts me back the next day. And I'm like, that's purposeful. 
Like, I don't do that on accident. I have certain times of my day that I text people back. I have certain times of my day that I return phone calls. I have certain times of my day that I do emails, and I'm not doing them any other time of the day. Like, my kids will get with me, and they'll get it on my phone, and they're like, you have 35 unread text messages. And I'm like, I know. Like, I'm not to the time to answer them yet, and some of them, I don't actually need to reply. I don't need to say, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. Like, it's just assumed, okay. You know, like, there's nothing on that. Because you know what happens if you get, does anybody ever get in this? Like, when you get on your phone, and then you start going back and forth, and then you were trying to stay focused, but you can't stay focused anymore, because one email led to another email, one text message led to another text message, and then you were in the middle, middle of something, and a phone call came, when that phone call led to another phone call, and then you go to another thing, and then you can't ever get anything done? Okay, well, that's my phone problem, right? Like, I'm saying, I'm not going down that road. I'm just not. And I tell people, so I'll just give you the, the in. So my phone's on do not disturb a lot, a lot. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes I forget that it's on do not disturb. You know, that I put it that way. If you are dying, right, my kids figured this out. Like, if you're dying or somebody else is dying and you need to really get a hold of me, if you call the second time, it calls through the do not disturb. So if I pick it up and I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You're like, well, nothing. I just wanted to get a hold of you. The reason is, is because I'm thinking you called me twice because somebody's dying, right? Like that would be the reason. So my point would just be this. So sitting in this room today, if you evaluate, and we were doing this earlier, you look at like Apple phones now have screen time. Like you can look how much screen time and people get reports. Anybody get their report? Okay. You should probably look at your report and see where you're spending your time, and not just where you're spending your time, but you should probably pick the sled up and get out of the rut. And if that means deleting those certain things that are wasting your time, then you need to delete them, because I'm just telling you, you can have all the best intentions of the world, you're not gonna get it done. Because you're, you're, you're in the sled run, right? You're going down, your brain has been programmed, your comfort now is your phone, that's why nobody can go 10 minutes, that's why you can't stay focused in a meeting, that's why these things are happening. Get out of that, and the only way you're gonna get out of it is either delete the things that are distracting you, or come up with a plan of how this thing can't always have to be attached to your hip. If it means when you're with family, take your phone and go put it out there, you know, out in the kitchen, so that when there is that law of silence, you have to be like, oh man, I have to talk now. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I have to actually say something. So if I don't like the commercial, like, here would be something. So if you don't like the commercial and you're watching TV with somebody, how about you talk to the person beside you? Like, that would be a novel idea, right? Like, the people that are in the room, maybe you would say something to them or talk about something that's important. But you see what I'm saying? If you don't do something intentional, you'll never get it done. Okay, pick the sled up. Here's the second most common thing that distracts people, there's a big distraction in life, people. It's people. I say this to young people, listen to me. Don't date a distraction. Don't date a distraction. Don't date a distraction. Don't date a distraction. Did you hear me? I'm telling you. I've watched people that are on a path, on fire for Jesus Christ, and date somebody that's not, and think they're going to change their life, and you won't, and you don't. Don't date a distraction. Don't get involved with the distraction. Look at the person that you are surrounding yourself with, and they better help you stay focused and not distract you from what matters most, period. Right? Don't get in friend relationships. 
Think about your friend group right now. Does your friends keep you on the right sled path? Or are they saying, let's just go down this one all together? Like, are they distracting you away from what God wants you to do in your life? If they're distracting you away from it, find another friend group. Because believe me, you are not going to be able to get into the right sled path on your own. It's just not going to happen. You're going to need somebody to help pick up the sled and get over there. Somebody to remind you, this is the path, this is the path, this is the path. People that surround you, friend groups, right? The, the friend group that's around you, guys, the people that you're spending time with right now, the people that you're surrounding yourselves with, are they distracting you or are they keeping you focused? Spend time with people who will keep you focused and not distract you, right? You need to have somebody that will keep you on task because, again, these distractions keep us away from doing the will of God and the things that he wants in our life. Here's the second thing, okay? Diminish distractions. Second thing is focus on the important, okay? If you start diminishing distractions, now focus on what is most important when you look at your life. And so this is in Proverbs 4, uh, 25 through 27. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you, give careful thought to the paths of your feet, and be steadfast all of your ways. And we're going to go down into 27 too. So in all of your ways, do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from the devil. Okay. Focus, right? Focus on what's important. So it made me think about this this week. Um, so when you ride horses, so like we love to ride horses and you would train somebody to ride a horse. So we would go out into the arena and we'd put somebody on a horse and they would always be like, I can't get it to go where I want to go, right? As they're looking over here and where do you think the horse goes? So if you look over this way, where do you think the horse goes? If you've ever rode a horse. The way that you're looking. So you're looking over here. I can't get him to go. I can't get him to go. I want him to go straight. And he keeps going sideways. And I'm like, stop looking sideways. Like, that's the point. Like, if you look this way, he's going this way. If you look this way, he's going that way. The way that you're looking is the way that the horse goes. Most of the time. Unless you have a really crazy one. You know, but most of the time, good trained horses, because of the way that you move your hips as you're looking that way, puts pressure on the side that moves them away from pressure to the place that you want to go. Okay? So for everybody who hadn't rode a horse, there's your first horse lesson. Right? So when you're sitting in an arena that has posts, right? If you want to go straight, how do you think you get them to go straight? Get them to focus on the, the post, right? Look at where you're going. If you look at where you're going, most of the time, the horse is going in the way that you're looking. And again, if you look a little bit this way or a little bit that way, but if you look at what's straight ahead of you, you will go straight. But as soon as your eyes wander, as soon as your eyes get off focus, so does your life. Remember the story of Peter walking on water? Remember that story? Peter, focused on Jesus, could walk on water, right? Like he gets out of the boat, Jesus, you're the man. I'm with you. I'm walking on water. And then he starts to sink. Why? Because he started to take his eyes off Jesus and look at the waves. And when you're looking at the waves, you don't just sit there and keep walking on water. You start to sink, right? 
It's not that you're just going to keep walking but walk in the wrong direction. You are now sinking. Why? Because your eyes are off Jesus. That's why we have to focus on what is most important in your life. Because when you take your eyes off Jesus, it's not the matter of just getting on the wrong path. Anybody with me here? It's not just going on the wrong path. It's down the wrong path and you're sinking. You, it's not that you're just distracted and not focused. You are now going down a path that Satan wanted you to go down. And as you go down that path, you're going to continue to sink because you are not and don't have your eyes focused on the place that God wants you to go and understand. Listen, in this, focusing on what's most important is something you have to do intentionally. Okay? So when you look at your life, you have to focus on what's most important because if you get off track or just follow yourself, you're going to end up looking at things that you've defined as most important. In fact, I'll just tell you a little bit about my own problem. So this is like my life problem at times. Is sometimes I take production over people. Like I like to be really productive in life. So I like to make sure that 168 hours in a week, I want to make sure every 168 hours in a week is done in such a way that I get the most out of the 168 hours, right? So I mean, I have everything planned from the time that I get up to the time that I go to bed, and it's the same thing every single day, right? When my bedtime alarm goes off and you're in my house, I'm going to bed. Sorry for your luck. You know, I like stay on a routine most of the time. Like this is what I do. So at times, production outweighs people. Now that's for sure not being the right way focused, right? That's taking focus in the wrong direction. It should be people over production, right? But you have to do that intentionally, right? And the way that you do that intentionally is say, First of all, in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I better get focused. Something better focus my day. Folks, that's why I tell you, get up in the morning, focus your day by being focused on what matters most, Jesus. That's why when I say, I have a role as a husband, and Sherry could tell you this, and I've not done it the right all the time. It's been production even over my role as a husband. Like, this has happened. Why? Because if I don't naturally understand my role of where Sherry fits in all of these things in my life, naturally I will see, oh, I just take that for granted. No other men. Come on, give me a little help. <laughs> where production of your life outweighs your relationship with your wife. Production in life, because we take our wives for granted sometimes. Yeah. That's just the way it works. Thank you. It just happens. I'm telling you because we define how we are in life by what our hands can do and what we can make and how we put things together. And so when we're looking at our worth, we look at this and our wives miss out because we purposely didn't understand what our focus should be. Right? How many times do our kids, men, lose out on us as fathers because we are trucking? Right? And we're moving, and we're focused, and we're doing, and then we get to the end, and we're like, we have children? Like, I forgot they were here until I got home. You know? And then you get those couple hours or an hour or whatever that time is, and, the, you know, you just give them the best that you can. Like, part of that is just we've got to be focused, and we've got to, you know, understand what that looks like or when it comes to friends, right? Like, guys, I, I know for me one of the hardest things in my life is actually having friends, like real friends, like people that you're actually going to spend time with because 
Like we're trucking and we're moving and we got things going on and we have acquaintances that we can talk to and hang out with, you know, and spend a little bit of time with. But I'm talking about true friends who are going to plug the holes in life for you when you need them. Right? How many times do we just keep doing life before we forget it? So what I'm saying is when we look at what is most important, we have to start focusing on it's obviously Jesus and it's obviously this and it's obviously this now. If there is no time in your schedule for any of those things, you can say all day that it's important. But if it's not in there, it's obviously not important. If there is no time for your wife, if there is no time for the Lord, if there is no time for your friends, if there is no time for your kids, if there is no time, you can say all you want that they're important in your life, but if you don't give them time, are they important? No. Figure out what's most important. Start with Jesus, and then once you get that piece right, it should then trickle down from there, right, and give us that ability to be able to do it. Here's the last one. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. So the worship team's gonna come back up, um, but this is what it says in Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Most important thing when we look at trying to figure out how to diminish distractions and figure out what's important, there will be people in your life that will try to determine for you what's most important. And if you haven't had one of those people yet, you will find a person like that or people like that that will define important for you. Here's the thing that you need to not miss. The only true voice who can help you determine what's truly important on running the race is the one that already set the course for you to run the race. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, wants to speak to you. And for everybody's like, I never hear anything. Why? You know what I mean? Like if you talk to somebody, they're like, I've never really heard the voice of God. I've never really hold, heard the Holy Spirit. I've never really heard direction. And I'm always saying, listen, it's not because he doesn't want to speak. You know how he speaks? Here's the first way. He speaks through scripture. You're reading it and you're like, that was for me. That was for me. Like whatever this just said, that spoke to me. This messages one of the greatest thing about doing messages when we just let the holy spirit be the holy spirit is you're going to walk out of here and somebody will come up to me and say wow that message was for me this is what you said and i'm like that's actually not what i said but it's what the holy spirit said to you and that's a good thing right that's the way it's supposed to work if you're listening to the holy spirit he's telling you what you needed to hear today everybody in this room is going to hear if you're listening you're going to hear something he has something to say to you right it happens through this it happens through friends. You know, those people I was saying that you're surrounding yourself with, if you're surrounding yourself with people that are helping you get focused, that friend group or that people group that are around you are the ones saying, this is what I'm hearing for you. You should listen. Because sometimes <laughs> the ears get a little plugged up. You know what I mean? Life gets a little crazy. And you need somebody to be like, wake up. Get out of the sledding path. Get out of the rut. Get out of this place that you're going. Stop wasting your life. Stop wasting your time. Your calling is too great. 
Your God is too good and your destiny is before you. Get out of the rut and get on the path. And he wants it for you. No one in this room is God saying, well, I don't really have anything to say to them. I have, he has something to say to all of us. The question for all of us is, are we really listening? And not only are you listening, do you want to hear what he has to say? It might cost you something. Now think about this. I mean, you can make fun of this all you want. I'm telling you, some of you need to make hard decisions today about this. Today. Some of you need to walk out of here today and say, this is consuming me, and at all means, I will get out of the rut and change it, whatever that is, right? Some of us need to make hard decisions in the way that we're doing life today. Some of us need to make hard decisions for our kids. It's not up to them all the time, right? They are at a place where they can make some of those decisions. Some of the people that are around us, we need to wake them up and say, listen, you might not see what's important in your life. You might not see what God has for you. Let me tell you, let me tell you what God sees in you. Let me tell you what God has for you. Don't miss it. Don't get, don't get distracted. Don't stay in the rut. Again, your God is too good. Your calling is too great. And your destiny is waiting for you. But it's possible you need to pick the sled up and move over to the next run and start creating a new rut in your life. You stand so I can pray for you. Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. We recognize that distractions are a huge part of our life. That um, we're going to have to make some real conscious decisions knowing that your calling in our life is uncomfortable and unnatural and that the distractions that we have in our life have been the new comfort zone for us. And so not only do we need to diminish these distractions, we need to focus on what's important and listen to you, which might mean for some of us in this room today, we gotta make some hard choices, some tough decisions. But believe me, the tough decisions are worth it. Being uncomfortable is worth it. We only get a certain amount of time, God. Keep us focused on what's most important. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
securely found securely found give me the one my soul delights in give me the one in whom my hope So I think, I mean, that's a pretty profound song to sing and to end with. Like, you can have all of this world. All I really need is Jesus. The big question is, is that really true? The actions of our life will show what's truly inside of our heart. The way that we live, the way that we stay focused, the way that we diminish distractions, the way that we run the race needs to be with this in mind. You can have the world. 
I know I got to live in it. I know I got to get through it. I know all of those things. But at the end of the day, give me what matters most, and that is Jesus. So thanks, everybody, for being here with us today. Thank you for those who are online. Don't forget your connecting cards, supporting Destiny Rescue and Hands of Hope. Everyone filled out, turned in. We're donating $5, and we have somebody matching it. So great opportunity. Thanks for being here. We'll see you guys next week.